talk to everyone how they can get the facts on the authority of Scripture so that if they're at the work or wherever, they can intelligently respond to a friend who has no biblical basis at all in their life. Right. I mean, I interviewed leading scholars on this in the book, and uh, Bruce Metzger, as you know, the leading scholar in the world on the text of the New Testament, and uh, Princeton professor emeritus, a great scholar, and others, and, and tried to establish through the interviews that, you know, the New Testament of the Bible is trustworthy in terms of the history that it tells us, that the Gospels are, are rooted in eyewitness testimony, that they're written so early that within the lives of um, eyewitnesses who would have, uh, have spoken up had the disciples been going around proclaiming things that were exaggerated and false. We have archaeological confirmation of many of the incidental details, which gives us confidence confidence that the writers were uh, careful in the history that they recorded. We have, you know, what, 24,000 manuscripts of the New Testament compared to the next second place, which is uh, uh, Homer's Iliad. I think there's 600 of those. So we have a great amount of manuscript evidence so we can be confident of its transmission through history. Um, I mean, we can have as Christians strong confidence in the reliability of the Bible. And for Dan Brown to disparage the four Gospels and then to choose instead these so-called Gnostic Gospels are written in the 2nd, 3rd, and 4th centuries, long after the fact, who have no historical basis, who are written with a Greek bias, and uh, whose names of Mary Magdalene and Philip are attached to them, even though they had nothing to do with them. And if you read them, I, mean, I encourage people, go ahead and read the Gnostic Gospels and read it next to the Gospel of Luke. You read the Gospel of Luke. Here you have this first century investigative reporter, so to speak, who says, I carefully investigated everything so I could report to you about the certainty of what took place. And you read it, and even though he's reporting on amazing things like the resurrection of Jesus, it is with a sober mindset. It is with accuracy. It is with a careful delineation of what actually took place. Even those instances that were embarrassing to the, to the disciples, they made sure they were in there because it's what happened. For instance, the fact that the empty tomb of Jesus was discovered first by women. You know, in first century Jewish culture, the testimony of women was not accepted. Right. And it was not considered reliable. So if they were going to make things up, they never would have said women discover the tomb empty. It would have hurt their case among the people they were trying to convince. They would have said, well, Peter discovered it empty. It was John. He discovered it empty. They would have made it if they were making it up. Why did they say women discovered it empty, even though it hurts their case to their first century uh, counterparts? Because that's what happened. And even though it was embarrassing, they still were faithful to the truth and put it in the Bible. So I think we can have great confidence that these records, which are the only records we have that we have confidence or date from the first century, unlike these other later apocryphal documents, um, you know, we, have, we have confidence that they tell us the truth about Jesus. It really is an attack on Christianity because you can't have a Da Vinci Code style and biblical Christianity rendition. They're just yeah. too diametrically different. When you talk about the New Testament documents, and you know, which would be a synonym with all those New Testament books, they are uniquely inspired. But this weekend in our community, Lee, we have two churches that have brought in either Jesus Seminar people or these liberal clerics that are actually training their congregation to doubt the authority of the Bible. And Elaine from Princeton and others have already been here. And, and, and what does it boil down to? Jerry, one of the steps that led me to atheism, when it was as a young man, I took a course on, on the historical Jesus, the New Testament, taught by a skeptic. And that was one of the three big steps, that and Darwinism and, and, and other things, that led me into a life of atheism. 
I mean, the tragedy of that is, why would we as Christians give up our strong card, which is the truth that we have? I mean, we have an unfair advantage in the marketplace of ideas, and that is we have truth on our side. We ought to be emphasizing that. We ought to be pointing people toward the confidence they can have in what it is that the New Testament tells us about the life, teachings, miracles, death, and resurrection of Jesus. When I was a skeptic, and I began to investigate the historical underpinnings, for instance, for the resurrection of Jesus, the corner pin of Christianity. You know, anybody can claim to be the Son of God. Jesus proved it by returning from the dead. And when I saw the avalanche of evidence that points so powerfully toward the truth of that, that is what convinced me that Jesus is who he claimed to be. Well, when you start with the presupposition that miracles are impossible, the resurrection could not have happened, and now tell me about Jesus. Well, that's not a legitimate search for truth. That's ruling things out at the beginning because of a presupposition that you're against the supernatural. You don't believe that, that uh, miracles and things like that could actually take place. We're going to give the people in June a snapshot on Wednesday night, the Gospel of Judas. But this is the big deal now. Yeah. And uh, you would think that we have just unearthed <laughs> the most incredible document. But this is just another Gnostic Gospel. Your response. It is. You know, it would be like me today creating a document that says the real story of John Wilkes Booth. And I write the real story, and the real story is John Wilkes Booth was invited to assassinate Abraham Lincoln by Abraham Lincoln himself. He asked me, John Wilkes Booth, to kill him. And I write all this down, and, and, and I sit it down, and, you know, 1,800 years from now, somebody discovers this document and says, whoa, here's the real story of John Wilkes Booth who killed Lincoln. He says that Lincoln invited him to assassinate him. Wow, that really sheds doubt on Lincoln's character, doesn't it? Well, you know, you step back and say, that's ridiculous. And it's the same thing with the Gospel of Judas. The Gospel of Judas was written about 150 years after the life of Jesus, which would be like me making up something about John Wilkes Booth that happened at the assassination of Lincoln. It was written by a bunch of people called the Cainites. And they were Gnostics, people who, we've you know, explained here, have you know, Greek thought patterns and so forth, but who their weird kind of belief was that there are really two gods. There's the God who, who is the ultimate God, the, the God of light, the good God, but the God who created this world was a bad God. And therefore, in the Bible, the so-called bad guys, the people who don't come off looking well, like Judas or the people of Sodom and Gomorrah or, 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 or Cain, you know, the, the bad guys, they must be good because if the God of this world is a bad God and he doesn't like them, they must really be good. So they take people like Judas and they make heroes out of them. And so if you read the Gospel of Judas, he is the greatest disciple of all. He's the one who Jesus invited to, to betray him. Well, this is, this is made up 150 years after the fact. He would have no more credibility than me making up the story of John Wilkes Booth. In fact, in the year 180 A.D., Irenaeus, who was a great Christian uh, bishop and, and, and um, a very discerning individual who was writing a, a, a treatise called Against Heresies, warned people and said, by the way, folks, some guys are making up stuff. He called it a fictitious history called the Gospel of Judas. So that this was, and people from the beginning knew this was phony. This was the Da Vinci Code of its day, so to speak. I mean, it has no relation to the real Judas. It has no relation to the real Jesus.